<laughs> so yeah, we're gonna blame all of this on um, Brett Williams. Yeah, sorry, guys. I, I got caught so. in traffic. It was it was big to do. <laughs> oh no! Well, I can't do just that. in the middle of that. Uh, as you were trying to fix your audio issues, my son was so frustrated with the fact that the podcast wasn't working that he yeah. would not stop screaming. So and now he's next to me and he's falling asleep. But I'm going to try to like tactically mute myself when somebody else is talking if he has to make noise or something like that. Because oh, he just will not go to sleep right now. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> Anybody that's about to have a kid, my number one piece of advice for you is never sleep ever. Is what's gonna happen to you? Like it won't. You just won't ever sleep. So like, don't drink coffee because you're gonna get jittery and you'll feel terrible. Just be be, be used to not sleeping for like a year and a half. So yeah. like, vitamins might help a little bit, but not really. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Nope. You want to you want to hear something crazy that I heard? I mean, a lot of times these like evolutionary theories are just like completely made up. So I don't know if there's any like legitimacy to this, but I remember hearing some like you know, evolutionary theory that they were saying the reason that babies might be so difficult early on, like constantly crying, constantly being fussy, is it could be like an evolutionary advantage to actually making the parents so tired that they cannot have the energy to create another kid until that kid is less dependent on them. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know, yeah, I actually heard something that is along the lines of a baby in evolution. I don't know how true this is, but... Uh -huh. There's this like old wives tale, I guess that's probably the best way to, to say it, that babies often look like the fathers when they're first born and then later on look a little bit less like the fathers. And the, the story I heard, I might have heard this in Japan, I'm not sure. The story that I heard was they, that happens because the dad is not really 100% positive that the kid is his. Oh. So if the kid doesn't look like him right off the bat, they'd be like, all right, see ya, that's definitely not mine, I'm out of here. <laughs> but if it does, then they're like, ah, yeah, it's definitely my kid. That definitely yeah, that feels like it would be like a Japanese like wife sale. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. For but sure. it also feels like it could be legit because back before yeah. there were DNA tests, like... You like because you know you know the old saying that like uh, women basically become mothers when they get pregnant, men become fathers when they see their baby. It's like yeah, that kind before. of that. It's kind of like that. You know, if you look at it and you're like, "This looks nothing like me," they're just gonna be like, "Peace." <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, yeah, maybe this is great I mean, I don't that think we. I would uh, do that, but... <laughs> this is great that we start off the podcast with an epic failure of an introduction. <laughs> And then oh yeah, we just jump oh, right in. Start up again. I'm oh sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about babies here, guys. It's fine. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, These are. Sorry, this is an interesting topic. Um, <laughs> I should have told you that I started to back up, but I was just enjoying that conversation way too much. So, nice. um, <laughs> um. Anyways, now that it's working, and I think it's working, uh, does anyone maybe want to check the Twitch stream or whatever, see if the audio is coming through for you guys as well? Yeah, check, check. Let's see. All right. Yep. Better test than... I'm good. Awesome. Sweet. Okay. I'm not going to worry about it then. Um, sweet. So what I do want to do is go over some news real quick. I've got like two news reels I wanted to share. I thought those were kind of interesting that I saw this week. Sure. Uh, before we just jump into uh, just shenanigans, because today is going to be more of a just, uh, what would you call it, um, off the record, just chat with Brett and Josh and maybe do a Q&A at the end. So cool. uh, let's see here. Um, I'm going to pull it up here on the 
stream so everyone can see it. But yeah, uh, this is just something that I saw on Sora News. Um, it is, and if you're watching the stream, you guys can see this as well. Um, but it is a limited time Tom and Jerry cafe that's opening up in Tokyo. So I'm guessing it's like a pop-up cafe. And I thought it was pretty cool because I don't know the significance of Tom and Jerry in Japan. I don't know if that's like a popular old American cartoon, but I did find it kind of interesting because like the themed foods are just absolutely cool. Adorable. I don't know. Like if, if you were to see these, they're pretty cool. Uh, there's like, um, you know, an omelet rice that's, they're pricey. You know what I mean? It's, it's obviously, (laughs) it's definitely 100% a tourist trap. That's all this is, uh, which is most things in Tokyo. But, um, this is say though, there are some good tourist traps, like things that I would definitely recommend knowing they're tourist traps. So, Oh yeah, naturally. Like I'm going to go see like the, uh, what was it? Like the robot, Cafe. Robot Cafe. Yeah, like I'm amazing. going to Robot see restaurant. that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. But no, if, if you're if you're uh, in Japan while this limited run is still going on, and you don't mind spending a unnecessary sum of money for small quantities of food that are themed after Tom and Jerry for your Instagram pictures, by all means, <laughs> check it out. Uh, yeah. But no, these dishes do look pretty cool. I will admit, they're they're yeah. they're absolutely uh, 100% well themed uh, and designed in the culinary, uh, you know, point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they're, you know, ah, they're just pretty cool. I'm just glad that they did not do like 1940s, 1950s American food. Yeah. They're just like, Hey, we made everything with lard and your yeah. plates have lead embedded in them. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know what the cultural significance of Tom and Jerry is. Cause I don't know that I've seen a lot of Tom and Jerry stuff in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could it could be one of the things that just went over my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm definitely sure. think I, that they know it. I, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure I have talked about it with like friends of mine, so they know it. And that's probably just the extent of it. They know it's from America. Yeah. And, you know, American things are pretty trendy there. That's probably as deep as it goes, would be my guess. Could be. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in Japan. Not weird stuff, but things in Japan that are popular from other places that yeah. just don't, don't make any sense. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's just like, hmm, I never would have guessed that that would have been a popular subject here. Yeah. yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is the number one. Tommy Lee Jones is the number one. Isn't that wild? So big. It's so bizarre yeah. to think about, but yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I have this old TikTok where I talk about an old lady that looked at a Tommy Lee Jones like boss coffee ad and then looked at me and was like, is that you? <laughs> Boy, gosh, she thought hilarious. you were Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, man. That's great. <laughs> like, you don't even have, like, one, I don't know. I'm like a, a hundred of his age. Yeah, you, you don't even have, like, one hundredth of the amount of, like, facial wrinkles or anything to, like, even replicate that man. It doesn't I even know. make sense. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was really funny. You literally were probably, like, what, in your early 20s, mid-20s or something like that whenever yeah, she said probably, that? Yeah, I was probably, like, 24, 25 at the time. <laughs> He's, like, double your nice. age at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like nice. he was, he you was not just, like, signed <laughs> autographs anyway. <laughs> yeah, I should have I should been like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> is, is that, like, a thing in Japan where, like, everyone just thinks all white people look the same? Or is that, yeah. like, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, kind of. That's, all, that's uh, fair. That's something fair. because, like, it's it's funny to me too because like caucasians have a really large variety of eye color and body shapes and hair color and like there's so much 
like I look nothing like Larry Bird, the basketball yeah, right. player, right? But like it's entirely possible that somebody in Japan might be like, "Are you related to Larry Bird by chance?" And I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> yeah. why? He's got blonde hair. He's like six foot six. He's got blue eyes. I've got brown hair, green eyes. Yeah. I'm not anywhere close to that." Like, no, I don't know. You kind of look the same. Yeah, the I'll analogy that I use is it's uh it's all it's all beers taste the same analogy, which is like mm. when you first start getting into beer or wine, like you won't be able to tell the difference between like a cheap one dollar bottle and like an expensive like three hundred dollar bottle. Yeah, but oh, after yeah. you getting a get a lot of exposure to it, then obviously you start to pick up the little differences. The yeah. Same thing mm. with kanji. Yeah. When you first look at kanji, they all just look like a bunch of squiggly lines. But then as you get more exposure, your brain breaks it down more, and they like get no exposure to foreigners, so that we all just look the same. Yeah. I would say out of all three of us, I'm definitely a Bud Light. I think <laughs> you guys might be on the other end of that, perhaps. And we got a Sam, Sam Adams in here or something. But... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably, uh, I don't know, some type of short beer, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to jump to the second and last story real quick for the news. Uh, it's, cool. it's cool. It'll be quick, I promise. But um, here we have what I thought was quite interesting. Um, there is a random destination airplane ticket, like Gachapon. Um, oh, dude. Where in the capsule, in the vending machine, it's literally just like a random ticket to a random destination around Japan. What? Yeah. Oh, dude, How cool is that? Like, I, I'm assuming it's just the same price all the way around. And yeah. I can't imagine, like, you getting, like, a destination that's really far away that you wanted to go to for a while after living there. And then it just show up in that gacha pond and it yeah, how much super cheap. How much would it suck though if you were in Kyoto and it's like Osaka? <laughs> oh my god, yes. I never even thought of that. <laughs> um but it does look like there is one in Osaka and another one in Tokyo. I don't know why it's not loading the photos. Let me uh, refresh the screen maybe. Oh, that's so It'll, cool. Here we go, here we go. Yep, here's more photos. But yeah, it's just a little uh gacha pond, little vending machine and yeah. mm. Uh, you can. It looks like you pay with the QR code. It's five thousand yen. Five thousand yen. That's not that much. That's like that's fifty, 50 bucks. bucks to get you anywhere that it just throws you. Dude, you might even that's be crazy. like well off just like buying three of those instead of a plane ticket and seeing if you get close to where you're going anyway. Yeah, and it, I, <laughs> yeah. and it shows all the locations, um, everywhere from Okinawa to Fukuoka to, um, and apologies if wow, I pronounced really? these things wrong, but uh, Nagasaki to, uh, yeah. It's, it's actually it's, pronounced Nagasaki. But Nagasaki. No, <laughs> Nagasaki. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what an American way to say things. <laughs> oh man, it's so cool. Oh, imagine growing up in Okinawa and le- hearing everybody say Okinawa, Okinawa. Okinawa. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okin- Okinawa or Okinawa. Yeah, Okinawa's probably got to be like the most American way you can say it. Oh man. <laughs> That's- I, I think just hearing someone just simply saying Tokyo is bothersome to me. Like, it's just Tokyo. Like, just you can read it in front of you yeah. it's just tokyo yeah i don't know but <laughs> I, I i still sometimes say tokyo just because if i say like tokyo they'll be like huh <laughs> and i'm just like oh yeah tokyo yeah i had a tiktok about that for like a couple of months ago i made one because like i grew up in japan and i was young when i moved there so i didn't mm-hmm. know the way that a lot of americans would pronounce certain words you know like yeah. i knew sushi i knew tokyo yeah. And I think that was it. So right. when I moved to Japan, then I learned how to say, like, I don't know, teriyaki or yeah. yakitori. 
soba, ramen, all this stuff. So then when right. I came back to the U.S., I had to, like, learn how Americans pronounced it because when I would go to Japanese restaurants, I would say something. And, like, 99% of Japanese restaurants in Ohio are actually owned by Koreans. Yeah, right. So I would say something, and they're like, wait, what? What did you say? I'm like, I want the Okinawa soba. That, they're like, I, I think that varies. Like, I think that oh, varies yeah. where you are. Um, because here around Columbus, it's almost entirely Chinese families that own Japanese restaurants. Yeah. In my experience, really? most yeah. places have been Korean or um, recently like uh, like Vietnamese or Thai people, something like that. But uh, yeah, but in yeah, certain I... areas where they have Japanese people, obviously, like in California and L.A., almost all the Japanese restaurants, except for like the big, like really expensive ones, mm-hmm. were like owned by Japanese people or at least had Japanese people working there. Maybe not owned. I don't know. So I got to say about this gachapon little machine here though like that would be the coolest way to like take someone out on a date mm-hmm. like mm. but you get but you get two tickets to two different places and be like all right i'll see yeah, you that's uh, <laughs> well i mean it could be a serious budget cut for a random destination here like here's the thing you you get one ticket you pay full price for the other but you're still getting a discount right mm, yeah i guess so yeah for sure because you get one ticket for much cheaper although yeah. peach is pretty cheap I don't know exactly what their normal tickets are. Their normal tickets may be 70, 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. So, yeah, I mean, you would just be saving like 20, 30% on the next, you know, yeah. ticket or on the first yeah. ticket mm-hmm. you get. So, no, I, I don't know. I just thought I just thought it was a cool idea. That yeah, man, I, they, I, I really I, like it. I'm upset that I'm not there right now. <laughs> I'm kind of upset that <laughs> this isn't something just in America. But here's the thing. If we yeah, had right? trains that move 200 kilometers per hour from one end to America to the other, this could be something that would be usable. But yeah. considering... Actually, Shinkansen's are more more expensive and slower than planes. They're just more convenient because you don't have to go through like security and stuff. Yeah, yeah, True. yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know that this would work in any other country because, like, in Japan, if you're not from Japan, everywhere in Japan is cool. Like, even yeah. the middle of nowhere in Japan, it's like, oh, this is awesome. This is, like, very traditional. But yeah. in the U.S., you could get, like, Des Moines, Iowa or, yeah. like, Muncie, yeah. Indiana or just some random place that you're like, oh, this looks like the uh, like the stereotypical Midwest American town, but I don't know anybody here. And, like, this is not a fun place to be. There's a motel and that's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but Japan, it's always cool. Like no matter where you go, if you're not from there, it's like, oh wow, this is Japan. This is so sweet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, rural sure. Japan to uh, big cities, absolutely. I mean, yep. at least there's even like the mountain range views and everything in the distance, no matter where you're really at. Yeah, so, yeah. I could see this being something. If like I don't know, I could see some of the other like Polynesian islands being able to pull something like this off, but Ooh, not so sure. much anywhere else. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Big fan. So, yeah, those were the two uh, I saw this week. I was like, ah, I know I'm having Brett on as a guest, but I need yeah, to discuss man. these. These are cool. <laughs> I know, it's like a plane ticket for the cost of, like, two Ben and uh, Tom and Jerry cheeseburgers, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom, yeah, you could go see Tom and get a Tom and Jerry cheeseburger and, like, uh, pasta for yeah. the same price as a for the same price as anywhere a destination. <laughs> yeah. And what you could do is if you have a bad date to the Tom and Jerry thing, you could buy two plane tickets and tell your date that you're on the same plane but in the back. Yeah. And they go to one place, you go to another place. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, since we got the those two news articles out of the way, um, yeah, I just wanted to 
maybe kind of, I know we didn't really introduce anyone because we had technical issues, but I wanted to slightly introduce uh, Josh again real quick. Uh, for those who haven't met Josh yet on the podcast, he's the new co-host. And um, Josh, did you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit real quick? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I'm Josh. I grew up in Okinawa, Japan. I uh, lived there from middle school until I was about 19 when I moved back to the U.S. And now I am 29. I'm very old and tired a lot, and I make TikTok videos about Japan every now and then, and uh, just random stuff. But I work as a photographer now and a videographer, and I do podcast stuff on the side. So, right on. And then Brett, did you maybe want to introduce yourself a little bit, and also a little bit about your brand? Yeah, sure, man. Um, I will uh, do my little spiel. It's probably going to sound very pretentious, and uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll go all. through. My, I'll go through all my list of uh, things that I'm doing. Uh, so right now I am the admin of a Discord server, the Refold Japanese Discord server. Uh, I'm not an employee of Refold. Refold is a language learning method that lets you learn any language via immersion learning. We'll talk about it a bit later. Um, I'm not an employee. I just uh, volunteer over there because I really, really enjoy the method and have noticed big improvements compared to how I used to be uh, learning the language, which is kind of traditional grammar study and classroom kind of techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am a uh, hobbyist filmmaker. I was focused on film for a little while, but then I decided to open up a martial arts school. So I'm also working on that. I have a podcast called Lit Literature. So anybody that enjoys uh, reading, go ahead and check out Lit Literature on YouTube. It's a pretty good podcast. We mostly deal in like fantasy and Brandon Sanderson and stuff like that. And uh, I also lived in Japan for a while. I lived in Tokyo and Fukuoka and have traveled pretty much all over. I lived there on and off for about seven years. But if you have questions about working there or how to be there legally, apparently most of my time there was spent illegally, I found out later. So I am not the person to ask how to go there legally because basically all I did is flew home every three months to renew my visitor visa. And then I would come back and go stay in my apartment. At least you didn't. At least you didn't like go to Taiwan because a lot of my friends did that. I uh, so oh my gosh. So basically, one really quick story. I I went to Japan because I just really liked it, and I was kind of doing freelance writing and web design. So I was like, oh, I can work from anywhere. and I really liked Japan when I went to go visit my buddies. So I'm like, I'm just going to stay. So after they left for study abroad, I stayed in Japan and I got my own apartment and I lived there for a while. And I you know, went home. I would come back, renew my visa, I'd go home. I did this for like a year and a half. And then I did one weekend trip with my girlfriend to Korea. I came back in. The guy hardcore stares down my, uh, my passport and he looks at me and he goes, last time. And I'm like, what? He's oh, like, last no. time. You can't come back. He's like, last time. I'm oh, like, no. oh, my God. Well, I couldn't come back to Japan for a whole year. My apartment just, like, sat there. Oh, <laughs> oh were man. You just, were you just paying for, like, a monthly? Yeah, basically. Oh, I Luckily, I only had, like, two months left on my on that apartment. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was it was frustrating. How That's much crazy. of your stuff was, like, just left there? Did you have to leave well, things behind? No, because he did say last time. He luckily let me in that time. He's Dear just goodness. like, I'm putting a note in your, you know, in your thing basically that says you're not allowed in for a whole year so this is your last three month visa so i did get to stay for another three months after that what yeah japan doesn't mess around with that they're huge on like banning people from coming back to japan for extended periods of time yeah yeah which i I found uh, i feel like if you're just not i feel like if you just don't like 100 percent follow the rules and grind to the t exactly how the japanese government expects you to visit 
their country for extended periods of time. They just don't want you there, period. They're just like, oh, yeah. you obviously don't know how to follow rules, so get out of yeah. here. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Yeah, I, thought, like, I thought I was following the rules because, like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I have three months. I'm not looking to work, so I wasn't working. I was following the rules. It's not like I was skipping out on my work visa and just going to work, like, from cash under the table or something. Yeah. I didn't work while I was there. You know, I just – I was living off savings and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, I would fly home, re renew my visa, and I thought I was doing everything by the book. And then when he's like, yeah, last time, I was like, why? <laughs> huh. I wonder if they actually have, like, a specific limit on how many visits you can have without a working yeah. visa. Twice. Twice per year. Twice per up year. To, up, up to six months, yeah. How, how often were you renewing? Every three months? Every three months for a year and a half before they noticed, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's why. Which is saying something, because like unless you went to a bunch of different countries, like the stamps are right next to each other. Yeah. It's not like they it's not like yeah. you have to like open a book and go through thirty pages to find it. I found out later it's because they look extra closely at people coming in from Korea and close countries, because that's how people skip out on they'll they'll do that, but they'll actually work in the country. So rather than get a work mm -hmm. visa, they'll just continually live and work there by jumping over to Korea. So as soon as they got kind of got wind of that, at least this is what I've been told they started keeping an extra close eye out because they probably thought what kind of idiot is going to fly every three months, 12 hours back to America just to come back and, and live in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The one when I was in Okinawa was always Taiwan because Taiwan is like a two hour plane ride away yeah, from Okinawa. Right I think there. it's much closer than it is like to mainland Japan. So yeah. I had a bunch of friends try to do that that were foreign that would just fly to Taiwan. They'd come back and, you know, the Okinawans would be like, uh, looks like you've been doing this a little bit too much. So you can't come back for five years. And they, you know, oh, wow, man, I yeah, got lucky a lot of because I had a, a wedding time. to go to the next year. Oh, yeah, you did get lucky. I was going to say, like, I've I've got friends that got kicked out of Japan for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got one friend that has a lifetime ban that is never allowed to go back to Japan. But he yeah. did a big no, no. So I'm just yeah, that's different. Yeah, my one, my one buddy that we talked about on the last podcast, I think he got either a 10-year or a lifetime ban. I forget which. That's crazy. I actually yeah. have a podcast. I'm not going to not gonna toot my own horn or, you know, like, plug my own stuff too much. But I've got a podcast, and I actually talked to somebody that was arrested in Japan, spent time in jail in Japan, and then got kicked out of Japan. That one's a really interesting story, but I'm not going to talk about it on this one. I yeah. actually uh, listened to that episode on your podcast. That was, an act that was a really fun uh, podcast to listen to yeah i highly recommend checking Crazy, out right? josh the collins podcast on spotify and listening to that exact story it was a really good uh podcast yeah did i actually I think have that one is... sorry go ahead i think that one is called something about like wild dogs in tinian getting arrested in japan and, and like being in jail or something like that something like that i can't remember that's actually i'm gonna i'm gonna check out that episode because that sounds really interesting I actually got really scared one time because I thought I was going to get thrown in jail because, uh, you know, I don't know. In my experience, the police have always been really fair to me. But there have been incidences where until they realize they're being biased, they were being biased. And then once they realize it, they're very, very gracious about it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But there was this one time where this salaryman like fell over because he was so drunk and he fell through a plate glass window of a store. And I like stuck around because I was the only sober person there. And I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to make sure he's okay. His other friends aren't really paying attention to him. They're just like like laughing and like t talking how stupid he is and stuff like that. But like the guy comes 
and he like sees the guy like laying next to the broken window and he looks down at the guy and he looks up at me and he goes why'd you do this <laughs> and i was just like what it wasn't me <laughs> this guy just fell into the plate glass window and then when i explained that to him he's like oh oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah that's got to be like that meme with eric andre where he like shoots hannibal burris and then he blames something entirely separate. Yeah. yeah, that's like Japanese police with foreigners. They're like, "Why did this foreigner commit this crime?" Exactly. I've had a couple run-ins with. I've had a couple run-ins with Japanese police, but I was younger, and I also hung out with so many Japanese people all the time that they usually just assumed I was half Japanese. Right. And my experience with Japanese police is much different because in Okinawa, especially, they're big pushovers yeah. for the most part, and like I've. I found out pretty quickly in the U.S. that you can't do the same. You can't speak to police the same way in the U.S. as you can in Japan. Yeah. And it's not like intentionally like disrespectful. But I mean, I was a punk when I was in Japan and so were most of my friends. And like, yeah, I'd argued with police officers multiple times if I like got pulled <laughs> over for something stupid. And I had one friend like I, the first time I ever experienced that in Japan. A friend of mine got pulled over while I was with him. And he's like, why is this cop pulling me over? And the cop comes up and tries to talk to him. He's like, hey, you shouldn't have pulled me over. I didn't do anything wrong. And he just drives away, just left. <laughs> and the cop's like, well, all right, I guess there's not much I can do. He drove away. So I'm going to get back in my car and wow. there's not really anything I can do about that. Wow. Yeah, cannot do that in the United States. And I don't recommend anybody do that in Japan, but no. they do operate much differently. So yeah, it's just, it just kind of depends on who you are, where you are and, and what it's like. But yeah, I've had uh, yeah, definitely I'm sure, more of experience I'm sure with like, Japanese experience... police not really doing too much. I'm sure your experience with the police as a foreigner um, in Okinawa is going to be substantially different if you were like in Royal Japan or even in a large city like Kyoto, Osaka, or uh, Tokyo. Oh yeah, you know, and you also have all the U.S. military there too, so that yeah. also creates a huge bias like immediately. Um, yeah, because they, they'll just call you Gunjin as soon as they see you. Yeah, and I remember them calling me Gunjin, which means like a soldier. So they like automatically think you're in the military, and I was like, dude, I'm 15, like. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a gunjin. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, my buddies yeah. did study abroad down. They did a trip during their study abroad down to Okinawa, and they were like just hanging out at like some bars, and they could tell that they were like kind of getting like a, a bit of the stink eye from the bar owner and the people around. And then as soon as the bar owner figured out that they were students and not at, from the military base, he like instantly changed his tone around them, and he was like very welcoming. It was very strange. Yeah. They said sounds about right. That, they, they have it. a. They have uh, curfews for military all the time in Okinawa. So, like, my friends and I would be hanging out at a bar, and, like, midnight would roll around, and, like, Japanese police would be going bar to bar saying, like, hey, any Americans need to get out. Like, you're not allowed to be in here after midnight. Or, um, I mean, they usually need military. So, like, every right. time they would come in, like, they stare at me, and they're, like, doing, like, the back and forth. They're like, is this guy? Yeah. Is he? <laughs> no, he's got long hair. Okay. You... Wait, is he a military kid, though? And, like, have to talk to me. And I always was like, no, nah, dude, I'm half Japanese. Right. And like, okay. And just like walk away. <laughs> okay. We're always like 16 years old in a bar when you're supposed to be 20. And they're like, as long as you're not a Marine, it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's oh, great. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, I did want to. it's still like that, though. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did want to pause real quick just to um, say thank you to our sponsor for today's episode. Um, our sponsor today is Death Wish Coffee. If you check a link in the bio, 
um, on Twitter or even Facebook, um, you'll see a link to my store or even just directly to Deathwish. Um, right now they're offering this great deal until October 28th, which is uh, get free coffee for life from them in their raffle if you buy coffee between now and then with my direct link. So um, it just kind of throws your name in a little spindle and hopefully your name comes out and you can possibly win free coffee for life. I think they're doing it for a few thousand people. So Wow. Yeah. Free so, coffee for life. Free wow. coffee Fantastic. for life. So I figured I could just uh, maybe shout that out. Um, that's why you guys probably see it on the Twitch stream, the Death Wish Coffee logo just bouncing on that top right-hand corner. Um, when we get yeah. our sponsors, I'm going to be throwing them up there for everyone to see so you know what kind of deals to look forward to if you go to my about or even look into my bio. So there you go. Nice. Thank that's you, Death Wish Coffee. Coffee. Thank you. Thank you, Death Wish Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many times we have to say their name to just get automatic free. Uh, free for life for us. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that, I was wondering that. Wouldn't it be great yeah. if all the people they sponsored was getting yep. that deal right off the bat? Be careful around Yakuza because you don't want to have a death wish, if you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, boss, that's a... boss coffee versus death wish. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, of death wish, I'm sitting here sipping my death wish coffee as I'm on this podcast, and it's keeping me very rejuvenated. It's Nice. Fantastic. Well, the next hey. bag that you buy, do it from that link in my bio, our bio. Hey. Hey, Deathwish, if you're listening and you need a, uh, you need a, what, what is it, a uh, uh, mascot? What, what is it called? When they, what is it called when they get somebody a, uh, whatever, a spokesperson? Apparently, That's I look right. like, uh, I look like Tommy Lee Jones, so I'm perfect for the Japan market. Yeah, just I'm gonna dress you up as Men in Black. <laughs> Carry around a Death Wish coffee. Uh, this this spiel oh. for the sponsor has gone on way too long. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, nice. All right. So what's what's next on the agenda? What we got going on? Um, I want to hear a little bit more about Refold.LA and a little bit about language learning and. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. Sure. Well, let me, uh, I guess I can do the elevator pitch. And then if you guys, especially since you both have experience in language learning, uh, you guys can ask any questions you may have. Absolutely. But basically, um, basically what refold.la is, it's an attempt to create the most kind of like streamlined immersion based language learning system that there is. Um, it's, it's roots basically come from a method of language learning called AJAT and AJAT I think comes from. It, it comes from something else that I forget it is, but it basically is based off of uh, the input hypothesis by Stephen Krashen. And basically what this says is that if you want to speak a language like completely naturally, like not do, you know, math equations in your head of taking this grammar rule and concocting a sentence from English into Japanese, if you want to speak naturally, the best way to do that is by actually focusing on comprehension first. So you focus on actually understanding native language first. Uh, this Unfortunately for some, this can be a problem because this usually results in a long period in the beginning where you're not speaking, but you're just listening. So we watch content, we read books, we read manga, we watch anime, watch movies, watch YouTube, anything that's for natives by natives, we basically just consume that as much as possible. And then we get our vocabulary from that through something called sentence mining. And we basically slowly chip away at the language by finding these kind of like perfect sentences that have just one new vocabulary in it. 
and you basically just constantly immerse, immerse, immerse. And then over time, as your comprehension gets better and better and better, your brain kind of flips a switch and it stops going from trying to understand what you're listening to, to figuring out how to mimic what you're listening to. And this is mostly a kind of subconscious um, process that happens where your brain is like this unbelievable pattern recognition, you know, machine. And as soon as you can understand it, uh, it starts looking for the patterns. You basically pick up all of the kind of grammar and stuff like that through just understanding it. Now, there is a bit of conscious learning. We do use flashcards uh, a little bit, and we do recommend kind of getting a, a foundation through like basic grammar and stuff like that. But the grammar and the flashcards and all the vocabulary is all focused on comprehension as opposed to trying to create the language from uh, grammar rules. And the example that I always like to use, this comes straight from, you know, the the refold videos. The example that I kind of like to use is, um, you know, language isn't math. You can know all of the grammar rules. You can know all of, uh, you know, the proper way to say something. But just because you know a grammar rule doesn't mean you know how to say it in a way that a Japanese person would say it. So, like, for example, if I was going to say, like, um, you know, where have you seen my cell phone? Like, let's say I haven't, I, I don't know where my cell phone is and I want to ask my girlfriend, where's my cell phone? You know, somebody might say, like, um, uh, or and that would be completely, like, um, grammatically correct. Like, there's nothing wrong with that sentence. It follows every single grammar rule properly. But it would sound strange to a Japanese person generally, I believe. Mm -hmm. If not strange, it would definitely. there's definitely other ways to say it. And one way that you can say it, or that I personally hear all the time with my friends, is they usually express that through like, oh, kitai shiranai, which is, do you not know my cell phone? So it's like, there's no way for you to kind of understand that natural way of saying it without hearing it and getting a feel for it. And there's thousands upon thousands of examples of these in languages where just because you know the grammatical kind of like you know mathematical equation doesn't mean you're going to say something naturally so this is all about picking up the natural patterns of the language subconsciously by focusing on comprehension sorry that was a bit of a, a ramble but that's kind of like the basis of it <laughs> no yeah no that's that's great your ramble was not like too much <laughs> or anything i completely uh understood everything you were trying to explain i'm sure everyone in the audience also <laughs> understands what cool. you're trying to say Good. yeah so. yeah that makes sense that sounds uh that kind of immersion learning sounds interesting i mean i feel like i i feel like i heard you in a podcast before yeah uh, because I, I remember hearing that story that you told about uh getting kicked out of japan for a year yeah. not, I, we, I wouldn't say i shouldn't say kick, getting kicked out of japan because that sounds really negative yeah being you know you're overstate overstate your visa so you had to restart for a year yeah um, i got kicked out in the most japanese way possible uh, yeah la like last very, time very kind of. <laughs> this is the last time you may enter instead of kicking me out <laughs> um yeah, so I I've, I've heard you talk about this before, and I remember watching the, like listening to the entire podcast. So I, I think I'm pretty familiar with what this like refold process is, and it sounds really interesting to me because it sounds like it's a pretty like it seems like a very logical way to learn a language because that's how you learn when you're a baby. Yeah, and my son can't practice saying words until he hears them over and over and over again. You know, right. Um, because every noise he makes right now is just complete gibberish, which is exactly what it is when somebody tries to translate Japanese to English inside their head using right. English grammar rules because it doesn't work. Um, and even exactly. if you do learn the Japanese grammar rules, like what you're saying, it, like, it doesn't always translate the right way. Um, uh, the biggest one that I see with Japanese is the, the phrase, I love you. 
So people will say aishiteru all the time or aisuru all the time, which is the technical like dictionary way to say I love you. But that's such a heavy, crazy way to say love in Japan that people probably only say it like five or six times their entire life.、Yeah. They're much more likely to say daisuki, which means、yeah. I really, really like you slash love you、mm-hmm. instead of aishiteru. So I can definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they they treat love almost like there's a there's a common kind of like saying in Japanese business where like、um, yes means maybe and maybe means no. They treat、yeah. love the <laughs> same way, you know, like like means love and love means like okay, this is like you're about to die and I really need to tell you that I love you, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like if they just kind of like you, it's like well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess I guess I kind of did a little bit of that, like、uh, unintentionally. Yeah, because, exactly. Like growing up in Japan, I'm obviously learning grammar rules and vocabulary and all that stuff. Like while I'm in school and like and like on paper and everything too, because I've got to learn how to read and write. But at the same time, I'm more immersed with the language than anything else. So like、mm-hmm. the majority of what I learned was just hearing people say something,、yeah. and then asking what it meant and hearing that phrase over and over again, and then understanding contextually when that phrase is used rather than a direct translation of what it means. Right. So、exactly. then I can understand like the feeling of the of the phrase or the word rather than like the exact definition of it. And I will say that、um, I do think that it's possible to.、Um, Do kind of more of a traditional way of learning and have natural Japanese. I just think that it requires a lot more resources and、um, kind of、uh, other activities to balance it out that a lot of people don't have. So, for example, like、um, there's this one YouTuber, I forget her name, but there's this one t- YouTuber that was talking about like you know like oh I I studied in a classroom traditionally and you know we had like you know s- tutors that would spend time with us and then all this. It's like yeah, but most people don't have. Good tutors that are sitting there with only three students to be able to correct all your mistakes and stuff like that, and I think that it's possible, obviously, to learn a very high level to a natural level doing it the other way. I just think that、um, for people that don't have resources, this is probably one of the best ways. If you live there, then、um, like I think I feel like a, like a immersion is almost like a, what is it called a、um, antioxidant. You know, it gets like free radicals、mm-hmm. out of your system.、Mm-hmm. So like I feel like learning grammar the traditional way kind of creates free radicals, but then immersion will like flush it out of your system. I think you can counteract the negative effects of some of that conscious learning. Through more immersion, which is why we recommend a little bit of conscious learning because it definitely jumpstarts your comprehension. You know, so、sure. I think the fact that you lived there and you were hearing it every single day and you basically had like almost custom-made input made for you because, like, if you used a, a word incorrectly, my guess is is like within a couple sentences, you may then hear your friend say the proper word that they would use in that situation, and that kind of. Counts as like this this custom made input that you get that kind of corrects you because without actually correcting you because you're like oh I used this type of that word but they used this type of that word so now you have like this custom made input whereas if you're just sitting there drilling grammar rules alone in your room you don't have that custom input so it's like it's really extra exceptionally good at creating、uh, at allowing people that don't have resources that don't live there that don't have Japanese friends to speak to every day that don't have custom tutors it's really good. At being able to allow them to actually reach a level as if they were like living in the country, almost.、Yeah. That sounds like a really cool option for a lot of people that are hitting me up, asking me to learn Japanese. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I mean, I did do YouTube and Patreon videos and stuff like that to teach Japanese, but at the same time, like, 
it's different for me to teach Japanese and try to help somebody learn it because, like you mentioned, I grew up in Japan, so mm -hmm. I had a completely different learning experience than other people did. So it's hard for me to like imagine only learning Japanese in a classroom. So like it's right. I don't and know. It's, it's definitely missing a lot. Because you were thoroughly immersed whenever you were learning. Exactly. You know, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's 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 honestly no different than. Uh, an example is uh, when I was learning how to snowboard. I already skateboarded and longboarded and surfed most of my life, mostly mm -hmm. skateboard and longboarding. Uh, so when I jumped on a snowboard, it, I literally went from green slope to black slope. Day one, didn't fall once. I was shredding yeah. fast, hard on those slopes. And that's because I already had known the baby steps for uh, pretty much keeping my center balance and picking up right. something like that was so easy for me. And I feel like that's the same concept with immersion whenever you're trying to learn multiple languages. After you learn one language, you understand how it works. Mm -hmm. And it's, or sorry, if you learn a s second language from your, um, you know, the one you were raised uh, speaking, once right. I feel like once you immerse yourself around a second language enough, it starts to become easier for you to start picking up other languages too. For sure. I feel like, because uh, I probably will do, if I can find the time, I'll probably do Korean after Japanese just because I'm a Taekwondo instructor and that's still quite a Korean dominated uh, industry, so it would probably benefit me. I feel like I will learn Korean much quicker, not only because of the similarities between Korean and Japanese, but just because I understand the process much better. Mm -hmm. uh, getting used to this kind of mindset of acquisition over learning is really, really hard for a lot of people. And you can be on board, you can feel like you understand it, but with every year that goes by, you'll understand like how it actually works much, much more. Like in the beginning, even though I understood it and I immersed a lot, I still overly relied on too much like trying to consciously learn and trying to not, you know, forget the words that I was uh, that, you know, I had in my sentence cards. Whereas like now I just like let things fall away. If I get a, a word wrong too many times in my in my flashcards, I'll just suspend it like, OK, I'll postpone that till later. It's all about just tons of input, letting what sticks stick. You know, it's like you just understand the process much better. So I definitely think that my next language will be smoother. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it also it helps with accent too. I think, yeah. Uh, if you, especially if you learn a language, it's much different. Like, I want to learn Spanish really bad because there's a lot of Spanish speakers near me. A lot. Um, and Spanish is just something I feel like I should probably learn if I'm in the U.S. There's just going to be a lot of circumstances where it can mm -hmm. come in handy. Uh, and because I speak Japanese, I feel like it's going to be easier for me to pronounce words in Spanish than if I just only spoke English. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I actually used to speak Spanish when I was really little and have not spoke it in 20 years <laughs> so like yeah I, I have found myself confusing grammar rules between like japanese and spanish before yeah. where like i wanted to use like the japanese um particle no for like apostrophe s mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. yeah I've, I've done that before i've done that in english before yeah yeah i, I i've mixed that up a couple times when i first yeah. moved back to the u.s i had i had trouble with a couple things yeah but uh it wasn't that terrible the worst part is when there's a Japanese word that describes what you're trying to say better than the English phrase equivalent. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'll, mindoksai. I'll, yeah, mindoksai is one that always comes up. Yeah, that's number one. Mindoksai. Yeah. I think what you'll find, though, when you start doing Spanish uh, again, though, is that um, you probably have more of a, like, a, a head start than you might think, even though it was so long ago. Because like when we're young, our brains are so 
listening for uh, new words because there's like a whole chunk of our brain dedicated to language acquisition. Like it's just like a part of our DNA at this point. And when you're young, your brain listens for all unique sounds that could ever possibly happen in a language. As you get older, your brain starts to filter it out. And I remember spending like the first, you know, maybe like three, four months or so of my immersion just trying to hear the word the sounds properly like not even being able to pick out the words that i knew from my flashcards because the kind of sound system wasn't properly installed in my head yet you know so you might still have that kind of like sound system properly installed in your head and you may like probably be able to reach levels of the accent that a lot of adults can't or can't do easily just because you yeah. kind of like have that foundation it's probably going to be pretty nice you know, I worked with a guy from Mexico uh, last year, or maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. and he asked me if I spoke Spanish, and I, like immediately I was like, nope, not at all. Yeah. Um, without thinking, like, I mean, I kind of remember a little bit, but I'm too embarrassed to speak because there's no way I'm going to get anything correct. Right. And then he's like, okay, cool. So then he picked up a phone call from his wife and started speaking in Spanish, which is why he asked me if I spoke Spanish or not. <laughs> and like, as they start talking, I realized that I remembered a little bit more than what I thought I did, and I was like, hmm... <laughs> yeah and he's like so you don't speak any spanish and i was like not really and then he got real quiet and like never took a phone call again like that i'm like yep <laughs> yep nice uh oh, you heard a few yeah. things that he, he did not want you to hear <laughs> i mean it, it wasn't like it wasn't like overly it, it wasn't really really bad it was nothing sensual but it was like stuff that was probably a little bit more private than what he would want a coworker right. to know especially one that he had just met Gotcha. Um, which is yeah. another thing too like Japanese people don't do that as much but I feel like people like a lot of my friends who speak different languages like I've got friends who speak Farsi or mm-hmm. uh, friends that speak Arabic French and all that and in the US I've seen them talk about somebody behind their back like way more often than I've ever seen people who behind speak Japanese their back to, it. to their face yeah so I would love <laughs> to be able to speak Spanish just for like the handful of times that I'm sure that that happens that I don't know about it it does or I'm not really paying it really does you know? my sister yeah. speaks fluent Spanish I believe she actually speaks fluent in several different dialects as well um, and most of my friends who grew up in America but their family are Latin American and they grew up learning Spanish as their quote unquote first language every time they hear my sister speak they're like wow she speaks better Spanish than I do which always (laughs) shocks me so I know like uh, and I hear my sister speak Spanish all the time and she's actually helped me translate more than enough times that I like to admit uh, whenever I'm even at work I've I've literally sat there in front of a customer that speaks nothing but Spanish asking for assistance um, and like customer service or whatever. And I'll just call my sister and put her on speakerphone and be like, yo, can you translate? <laughs> I've done it. I'm not going to lie. She doesn't mind it. But um, yeah, dude, she's told me so dozens of stories about her going to a grocery store. And then the guy standing behind her would be like checking her out and saying something inappropriate. Yeah. And then she'll turn around and just cuss him out in Spanish and be like, you thought white girl didn't speak Spanish. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And that that's, that's funny. That's hilarious. Like I've always thought to myself, man, that's that's probably one of the reasons uh, I would probably enjoy learning another language more than anything is the assumption of the native speaker assuming that I just don't speak their language, and then right. me just like, ha ha, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. For me, my not... favorite part about like knowing. Uh, another language is and it gets better and better like as i get better and better at japanese it's just you start to notice that like 
unless somebody is unbelievably good at their second language, like to the point where it's almost as good as their first language, mm-hmm. uh, even then sometimes just because of cultural differences, especially between uh, America and Japan, you start to notice that um, their personality changes pretty like quite a bit between the languages. And I started to notice that like the thing that really got me motivated to becoming wanting to become really, really good at Japanese was because I started to notice that there's this like whole other side to people that I was extremely close with that I only knew their English version. And I wanted to know like this kind of like deeper, more visceral Japanese version of them. And yeah. as I can have deeper and deeper conversations with them, it's like I get to know them even better. And it's really interesting how their personalities change between the two languages, simply because of like the cultural connection to that language as well. That's very true. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had the same experience with my friend from Argentina who I've lived with for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but I understand a lot of it because I grew up around it a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's it was just crazy that like um, him trying to speak horrible English and me having that. It, it, it's kind of like the saying that every single person you know knows a different version of you than everyone else, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. if you know someone for who barely speaks English and you spent years with that person, but then you get to know them because you understand their, their native language as well, it's almost like you know two versions of that person rather than mm-hmm. just that one. And yeah. I, yeah, I've experienced that before and it's, it, it's really cool. Cause like, um, you, you could see like they're nervous trying to speak, speak English and not mess mm-hmm. up. And that's what's on their mind the most. But whenever they're just speaking their native language, they're naturally more themselves and you can appreciate them more as a friend yeah. or person because of that. It's cool. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty cool. I mean, I think too, when you're speaking a second language, you have time in your head or you have to give yourself time in your head for the most part, to make sure that what you're going to say is making sense a lot of the times, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then until you become comfortable in that second language, like what Brett was saying, to where it just kind of comes out, uh, I feel like you do have two different personalities because you have time to say like, oh, wait, not only is this grammatically weird, but what I'm going to say might have this like feeling, and right. I don't want to express that feeling. Whereas when you're speaking your native language, like right now, I'm just talking. I'm just, I have feelings in my head, and then they come out of my face. Yeah. there's no barrier in between but if i'm speaking i guess for, for me with japanese it doesn't really happen anymore but it used to be when i was first learning japanese instead of just speaking like this i would have a feeling in my head that i wanted to express and then i would have to like plug in the pieces to try to figure out what goes where as i'm trying to say it and i might edit it before it comes out right um to make myself sound different so yeah that makes total sense i think yeah. that's a really interesting point yeah and it's also pretty interesting because of the um the the cultural well between uh japanese and english the cultural connection with the language as well you know it's like if i spoke how i do in english which i consider you know i'm very polite to people in english but if i said the exact like translation in japanese it can come off as quite rude because it's just too direct you know what i mean so it's like that kind of has an impact on like how you express yourself in each language as well and it's so funny i have a I won't say her name, but I have a, a very close Japanese friend that when we're speaking English to her and then all of a sudden she picks up a phone call, it's like just a complete swap from like, oh, American girl with an accent to Japanese person is like very, very interesting to watch. And mm. I, I like to get to know both of those those versions of her, you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. I remember the first time that I was able to actually have an interesting conversation with a friend about something. Mm-hmm. Um 
uh, his name was Toru, and he's actually the, one of the first people that I met in Japan when I first moved there at, at a skate park. So I was a young kid, went to a skate park, realized that no one spoke English except for this one kid kind of speaking broken English. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, one day he pulled a friend of mine to the side that spoke Japanese and English, and he was like, hey, translate for me and tell this white dude that I'm not learning English because I'm Japanese and we're in Japan, so he should learn Japanese because he's in Japan. Yeah. So that's like the whole reason that I learned Japanese. Uh, but I remember the first time I had like a legitimate conversation that had any sort of substance to it. Yeah. And then he kind of just like looked at me and he's like, cool. Yeah. And that was it. And I was like, oh yeah, I made it. I'm finally here. I can have real nice. conversations instead of saying like, uh, eki wa doko deska. Like it yeah. was just, it was mind blowing to be able to actually understand somebody as a person instead yeah. of just like, yeah, translating. So. I got really unlucky because um, I went to go, my very first exposure to Japan was going to visit my friends doing study abroad and they were at a language school called Kanda in Chiba. And so like every single Japanese person I learned basically wanted to speak English all the time. Mm. And I just relied on that as a crutch because I didn't go there specifically because I had any interest in Japan. I went there to go visit some friends and then I fell in love with Japan. And then it became just like, hey, I've been working since I was 14. I have money saved up. I can keep, you know, making money here abroad. So let's, you know, enjoy the time here. Let's actually have some fun for once in our lives, you know. So then I just stayed there for a while and I had no interest in really learning the language. I, I crammed like Ginky one and two in six months. And then I survived off that garbage level of Japanese the entire time I lived there because all of my friends spoke English. And that was kind of like, I wish that didn't happen, even though I'm really happy the friends that I met and made. I wouldn't want to know like, you know, any other group of people because I love them very much. But I, I'm really upset that I didn't take advantage of my time there. But I'm glad that I'm fixing my my trash Japanese now with uh, Refold. I should change my Twitter name to Trash Japanese because I feel like that's what my <laughs> Japanese is like. It's like it's bottom of the bottom of the garbage bin, but it's still Japanese. I mean, yeah. it's still there. It's it's way better than a lot of people I've heard say that they're like unbelievably fluent. It's like, mm, I mean, yeah. You can I, say I feel like more. my accent's still pretty solid. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not as good as it used to be. I, th- I think people can t- still tell that I'm foreign, uh, right. but it used to be that you couldn't tell. Right. So that's what like really frustrates me. But I'm also not interested in like really cramming it super hard right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't at the same time. I mean, I probably should. I had an interview for a Japanese company the other day. Um, yeah. And it went well. And they were like, wow, your Japanese is so amazing. And I'm like, that's just because you didn't ask me a question that I didn't understand. Right. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, like you play that game. a lot. I play that game a lot when it comes to like interviews and things like that, because you have set questions. Yeah. And then every now and then, like, they'll throw me a random question that I wasn't expecting. And I'm like, oh, wait. I don't know if they said, like, this word ending in o or this word ending in ou, and that's yeah. two completely different words Thanks. that don't make yeah. any sense, and I, like, I don't know which one to answer. Yeah. So I just go, ah, muzukashi desu ne. And then they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. On. That is difficult. <laughs> Yep. I, I always yes. had this joke. I mean, I obviously I didn't know how to use it properly back then. But I always had this joke that whenever like two of my friends were having like a really fast, complicated Japanese conversation with each other, and I couldn't follow what was being said, I would always just look at them like nod and just be like, mm, yabaine. because it's like, yeah. it basically can mean like anything. <laughs> yeah, I made a that was one of my bigger TikTok videos is what yabai you could use it for any, anything. If the food yeah. is good, the food is yabai. yabai if the food is bad. The food is yabai. Yeah. If there's like, a car accident, yabai. Everything like is stick. yabai. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. Okay. So, um, 
we're already 56 minutes into the podcast. Oh, man. I know, Ooh. right? Time flies. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and I know that Brett can go on for hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Been yeah. there. Um, and I really would like to have Brett come on again and just go to town on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but it is getting to the point where I would like to do a Q&A. Um, someone mentioned in the text of voice that they weren't able to raise their hand for some reason. Uh, oh, we got to turn it on. I turned it on now. Oh, you turned it on? Yeah. Okay. So see if you can raise your hand if you're interested in um, coming on the stage and just asking uh, Brett or Josh or even myself a question. And um, we'd be happy to bring you on. Um, I do know that Chris mentioned that he would like to jump on. So You know, when you said Q&A... In my head, I heard QAnon, and I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Q and like, A. QAnon. <laughs> yeah. QAnon. Like, QAnon about Japan. I wonder no, what we're going to keep the, we're gonna find there. We're definitely <laughs> going to keep the uh, American politics out of this podcast. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but, all right. Um, and then, Chris, it does look like you are on mute, so you can go ahead and unmute yourself whenever you're ready to ask a question. Oh, all right. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, thanks for, like, doing this again. This is dope, but... So my question is, like, I'm about to start Japanese, and I know I've been, like, in these podcasts, like, the whole kind of immersion and the language thing, but I'm just, like, kind of curious, because I know that you guys were talking about, like, kind of how, yeah, when we speak English, it's, it's so natural. Like, is there a way, really, to start Japanese and to get it so where it becomes natural to where we don't have to, like, think about it as much sort of a thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that the... I personally believe that uh, I... I... Full disclosure, I'm not there yet. I know a lot about this method because I'm the admin of the Discord. I talk to Matt, who's the creator of the method, a lot. Uh, so I help a lot of people kind of get onboarded with the method and stuff like that. And I've seen it work because I, I see my bad jet or I hear my bad Japanese melting away as my comprehension gets higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Um, and I really do believe that the key to it, if the more natural that you want to be, the more focused on immersion you should be. I feel like conscious learning, kind of like traditional grammar study, that gets you to where you're quicker. So if, you're, if your focus is speed, that's what you should be focused on because immersion learning takes time and commitment. But if your focus is reaching the highest level possible, then the higher level that you want to be, the more your study time should be immersion. And uh, just like, you know, just go to refold, um, join the Japanese Discord. We literally have a, um, a channel called Start Here, and that will get you started. It'll explain the method to you. It'll link a podcast that he did with Dr. Stephen Krashen that explains the input hypothesis. Oh, and then it has awesome. A, yeah, Krashen's amazing, and he knows his stuff. And, um, and then it has like does, a stage one guide. How many languages does Krashen know now? Like, he's a, he's a polyglot, right? Um, oh, you might be thinking of Steve Kaufman. Kaufman's oh, amazing. Kaufman. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Kaufman's okay. a polyglot, but Kaufman bases almost all, like not all, he's got his own ideas too, but he bases a lot of his stuff off of Stephen Krashen's input hypothesis, which is lots of input, postpone speaking, worry about speaking later once you've built up those instincts through immersion. Because That's you'll start right. to notice that as your comprehension is higher and higher and higher, you just realize you know how to say things like there's things that i used to say very improperly before that as my comprehension gets higher and higher i realize oh i now know how to say that instead of speaking around 
what limited vocab I used to have like I used to do it. You know, I, I just have to explain things through analogy and pictures and, and sound effects and stuff like that. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't know how I know how to say that, but I know how to say that, you know. So it just kind of happens. And But through focusing on comprehension. And Brett, um, you did say to um, join the join, join the refold Discord server if you uh, want to start. Now, yeah. there is a specific way to join your Discord server. Do you want to explain that a little bit better so that people understand? Because it's not a traditional invitation kind of situation. Yes, that is true. We um, we do kind of make it a little bit, not difficult, but we do have some roadblocks in the way just to make sure that we're getting people that are actually dedicated to learning Japanese because Japanese or to learning a language because learning through immersion does take some commitment. So if you can't, you know, uh, take the, the the three minutes that it takes to get into the Discord, then you're probably not going to take the <laughs> the many many thousands of hours it takes to perfect a language. You know. Yeah. So uh, basically, you want to go to refold.la, and then at the bottom of the front page, you just scroll down. It doesn't look like you can scroll down, but you can. Just go down to the bottom, and there's a join the Discord kind of button. You just input your um, your email. They'll send you a link to Discord Central. From Discord Central, you can get an invite to the language-specific Discord channels. Some languages that aren't as popular, like uh, I think Farsi or something like that is in there, uh, are right there in Discord Central. But the bigger languages that have a larger community, like Russian and Spanish and Chinese and Korean and Japanese, all have their own Discord servers. So you can get an invite from there. And then once you get there, you just read the rules, choose your role, which will be stage one, and you'll be good to go. No, it's a lot yeah, of uh, instructions, but <laughs> no, yeah, thanks, man. I'm like doing this right now. This is like dope. Uh, good advice. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, Absolutely. it's been a lot. Yeah, one more thing that I would add to is that um, regardless of what method you use, whether it's like textbook and or or immersion or like moving to Japan and doing a mixture of both or mm -hmm. of everything, you know. Or just like sleeping on a pillow and hoping that it soaks up into your head. Like yeah. all of this stuff takes a long time. You know, yeah, I've does. had I've had a lot yeah. of people ask me to teach them Japanese, and like I'm willing to do. I was willing to do videos and things like that for a minute. And my first Japanese video I put up after my 200 something thousand followers were like, "Hey, teach us Japanese." It got like less than a thousand views, which is no big deal. But then my second video got like 600 views, and then the third video got like 200 views, and then the by the eighth video there was only like 25 people watching. So what I kind of that kind of solidified what, in my opinion, that it's really, really, really hard to stick with learning a language. Just like you know, like when you got to lose weight or get in shape, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna stop eating junk food. I'm gonna yeah. lift weights. I'm gonna go on a run. I Here's never do resolution. it. I'll do it for do it for three months and then give up. When it comes to a language, if you do a couple months and give up, you'll have enough phrases to get by and sound cool, but you don't speak that language. Right. So it's something you really have to stick with. So I always recommend too, have a reason to learn that language. You know, if you want to move to Japan one day, I mean, if you want to just go there and visit, it's going to be hard for you to want to become fluent before you get there. Yeah. But if you want to move to Japan and do something with Japanese culture, um, maybe having a goal set in mind might help you more than just like wanting to watch anime without any subtitles you know yeah. if that's what you want to do that's yeah. what you want to do but or i just think having if a you want to host a podcast about japanese culture and yeah <laughs> hey there you go yeah. i've i've only been learning japanese for about a year right yeah. and um i'm just now uh like pushing myself to learn kanji like i've been terrified yeah. of it the whole time and uh it's it, it yeah it takes time like there's there's roadblocks you'll hit and you'll be like how do I get over this hump? Yeah. You know how do I yeah. progress where I'm at right now? And then, um, 
and like Brett explained, it, it really is immersion that kind of got me over those humps. Like whenever you're using traditional grammatical textbooks and stuff like that, you, you can only get so far. Um, yeah, and definitely. Yeah. The input My method really does push you uh, a little bit over those humps. You don't even realize it until you go back to where you were stumped before on like your studies and you're like, oh, I can get over this no problem now. You know, yeah. it's really cool. And, you know, there's 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 too many things for me to go over. Like, I wish I could just uh, sit down and make like a, a four hour video for everybody to understand it, but then nobody will watch it. But there's like a lot of roadblocks that are going to come along. So my advice to you is whenever you're feeling demotivated, whenever anything doesn't make sense, instead of giving up and being like, this is too hard, reach out to the discord and ask if nobody answers your question satisfactorily at me. Just I don't care as long as you, it makes you not quit you can bug me as much as you want there's a lot of resources there and they're hard to find it can be overwhelming at first there's a lot of information so just do your best to find it Pl promise me you'll do your best to find the resources on your own but if you can't and you're getting discouraged ask me and i will direct you to the right place yeah man thanks a lot no this is all really good stuff and yeah guitar i was actually gonna ask you as well like I know you've been going at this for like, yeah, about a year now. I just wanted like curious about how like your progress and what you think about like how your style, like how are you learning it? Like what are your opinions on it? Yeah. Like, any challenges so far? Oh yeah. There's, there's been a dozen. Um, and one of them is definitely motivation, you know? Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be straight up these last maybe two months. I've been going through a lot of stuff in my life and learning, practicing just just practicing Japanese has been uh, on lower on my priority list than I would like it to be and um, I'm just now pushing myself to get back into it uh, just within the last like maybe week um, I've been ignoring my notification saying practice Japanese <laughs> you know at 11 a.m. every day um, but uh, and I've been going back to it but yeah I mean after a year you'll go through ups and downs I'll guarantee you you'll go through days where you're you just will ignore that notification says to practice and then there will be two weeks straight where you just grind and grind and grind and it's usually whenever I hit a roadblock like I was explaining earlier where like I'm at the point where I'm like how in the world do I you know like for instance I like to do a lot of sentence structure grammatical stuff on my spare time and practice spelling out things and what it will do is it will show you um, I use a few different programs that will like um, write something out in Japanese and then I have to um, explain what it is in English or vice versa and um, pretty much translate it um, and whenever I get to a roadblock I'm like I have no idea what I'm even looking at anymore I'll just take a break from that entirely and then I'll go back to immersion and um, I'll just listen to Japanese podcasts I will um, watch uh, Netflix um, movies and shows that are in Japanese and I'll use what was that software again Brett that I told it's you called a uh, language reactor language now reactor. yeah um, which is a extension you can have on your Chrome browser which um, really helps with um, language learning in my opinion uh, definitely has helped me a lot because there will be times I hear a word and I'm like what is that and then you just move your mouse over top of the actual like word or you'll see a kanji come up on a character come up on your screen you're like what is that and you're like oh okay um and then after i just soak up some immersion and i go back to those other studies that i do 
it's like I said, it's just it gets you over that hump a little bit. But there are definitely going to be times where you're not going to want to grind, <laughs> and you, yeah. or life gets in the way, yeah. and you're really busy, um, and you just need to take a break from it, and that's fine. Uh, just you know, there's going to be that day where you're like, man, uh, like the whole reason why I got back, got into learning Japanese is I've always wanted to since I was a young teenager. I've always wanted to learn a second language, and I always wanted it to be Japanese. Um, I've always been very passionate about Japanese culture and the language was always the coolest to me, uh, when I would hear it. And, um, I just woke up one day and said, if I'm going to learn Japanese, I just got to do it. I can't just sit here, you know, making excuses, just do it. So I got online, started searching everything that I could about how to learn Japanese. And it really didn't hit me, um, on how to really get over those, uh, humps of, uh, learning until I talked to Brett here about immersion and he really kind of helped me get through it. So nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's like amazing stuff. Like, thanks again. Cause like, I, this is like one of my, I know like personally, I've just been making excuses and stuff, but having like outlets like this and Brett and you guys like the podcast, like this is just all good stuff. And I feel like that this is like promoting like good learning. Like I'm going to try to go at it now just kind of just go for it you know like seriously thanks guys that's great and thanks for your question i appreciate it chris yeah no problem you guys have a good one you too take care you too good luck man so i don't want to take up uh too much additional time because obviously every time somebody says one thing i could harp on for an hour and a half but (laughs) don't we all (laughs) there's a a couple things that i do want to touch on that kind of came up one is specifically at you guitar um obviously i think learning kanji is an amazing thing and i do think that all things equal it's great to kind of like level up your reading with your listening together i feel like they do Mm -hmm. tend to enhance each other if kanji is providing a significant roadblock to you though uh you don't have to read right now and reading will be much easier you can read with furigana and there's somebody in our discord server that is now extremely fluent and also very high reading level called katakana kun he hasn't been around recently but he used to always tell me he's like if kanji is in your way read with furigana so that way you get the benefit of slowing down the language continue to listen and after you're fluent you will be surprised at how much of that kanji you've naturally acquired subconsciously just by constantly seeing it underneath the readings that were provided so wow. if that is providing a roadblock worry about reading later put it off worry about actually getting your levels up because that will motivate you continue to read if you want to um but if you enjoy it you know with but with furigana and kind of take that that pressure off so you can enjoy the language again and look forward to immersing rather than see it as like a oh my gosh now i have to read these conscious that i don't know yeah and to be completely honest it's not yeah i i have i honestly have not let um kanji get in the way of my good studies um i like to let kanji just be there as something that i will just consciously pick up like i will see something enough that i'm like okay that is being used in context of this word that they're saying and right like you said he just like consciously um has been learning kanji just from that that's kind of what i've been using it's actually what i explained to someone in a, a chat earlier this week actually when they said um how are you with your kanji i'm like i mean i'm not like going out of my way to learn kanji but i'm learning kanji consciously by watching netflix and running that you know yeah (laughs) uh software and i'm like okay you know and then it just pops up but if i see a kanji that i'm like i know i've seen that before what is that and i have to hover over it it 
yeah. you know, it sparks it for me. But I'm not like sitting here reading textbooks and writing, you know, kanji and doing 20 strokes a day uh, nice. or per word 50 times a day. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't recommend anybody write out kanji unless you have just like an unbelievable drive to do it. I don't think it's beneficial personally. I knew a couple people that did that in, in school that would like, I mean, there was like a handful of people that thought kanji was so cool. So like all yeah. they did with Japanese was like learn how to write all these kanji. So they knew the meaning of these kanji, knew how to write them, but had no idea how to implement them. Didn't yeah. know like the different pronunciations of like, you know, onyomi and kunyomi for them and things like that. And they spent so much memorization on that that yeah. like their grammar was lacking. Their pronunciation of regular Japanese was lacking. Yeah. I mean, kanji is important if you live in Japan. Right. Um, and you don't have anywhere that had, I mean, because in Japan, they don't have furigana in like everyday stuff. You have furigana in like children's books and like studying books and things like that. And any place where they're going to have people that are foreign or little kids reading. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's none. So if you ever plan on moving to Japan and like, maybe you should look into that. But I don't know that it's necessarily super important to learn a lot of kanji beyond like the first like one to three years for a really long time i mean one to three years when i'm talking about like the jlpt level kanji um like in five kanji to maybe in four at the most is probably efficient for most people or efficient sufficient for most people right. i think um, well generally yeah. what we recommend for kanji um that we find works best with immersion learning when you pair it with it is that um we recommend getting like a kind of kanji foundation like recognition foundation where basically there's kind of two methods, but one of the older methods is you could do what's called RRTK, recognition RTK. I'm sure you've heard of RTK, where you actually like build mnemonics around the like um, the kanji, like uh, what are they called? Uh, elements or whatever. And so what they did is they took that and they flipped it and they took only the thousand most common kanji and they made it so that instead of learning how to write them, you just learn how to recognize them. And you're like, oh, this kind of means that, that kind of means that. And basically what this does is it just provides a foundation so that you see kanji as individual characters instead of like a bunch of squiggly lines. But we personally, now everybody's got their own method and depending on what method you're doing or which one you enjoy, but we personally don't re recommend re like learning the readings or learning the meanings because even if you import matrix style all of the readings all of the meanings to every single kanji into your head while that will be beneficial you still won't be able to read uh japanese because you don't know the vocabulary mm -hmm. really what is important is being able to read the vocabulary so once you're able to distinguish kanji that's where we recommend actually gaining a sixth sense for kanji through actually learning vocabulary and what you'll find come to notice is that after you learn you know five vocabulary that use that same kanji you'll start to just realize oh i kind of i know the reading to this i know how this is read yeah. and you'll start to realize that you come across it in new words and you're just like i think it's this and you start to get an instinct even for which reading is being used based off of like what sounds it's around. So um, mm. we generally t tend to feel like that's the way to go about it because it reduces this need for this kind of like front loaded uh, kanji study that ends up just kind of getting you, you know, a foundation that does help, but I don't think it helps uh, for how much effort it takes to remember all of that, you know, unyomi and kunyomi like readings and stuff like that. That's generally what we recommend. Some people I know really love learning, you know, the readings and stuff like that. And it's like, always follow your interests, no matter what the optimal path is, follow your interests, you know, just, just know the like pros and cons of each, but it's such a long journey that if you follow your interests, it's not going to feel like work. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. why we always recommend like 
you know, some people like to find content that is, you know, understandable, like kids content that they can kind of have a chance at understanding. Other people go to stuff that's like really way out of their, you know, level, but they're enjoying it because the story is interesting or the visuals are appealing or something like that. So it's like, even though it's good to have stuff that is comprehensible, if you're enjoying the stuff that's incomprehensible, you'll still find chunks of comprehension in that content where there's like random sentences that you can comprehend. So it's better to join the stuff that you're, or to follow your interests. In um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I did want to uh, ask if this was okay with you, Brett, um, sure. on the stream real quick. I would like to switch over to my browser and just kind of show people your guys' website to kind of better explain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and switch over to Refold right now on the stream, um, if anyone's mm -hmm. watching still. And I think there are still a few on all the platforms. And, um, yeah, if you just scroll down to the bottom, it's going to be right here where it says Join Our Community. Um, they also have their Patreon right here if you want to click that. Um, but if you click that, you'll they'll send you to another page to um, where you put in your email address, and essentially they'll respond with a link, and you just set up your account just literally follow the steps. It's a step-by-step -step thing, so it mm -hmm. does make it pretty easy if you just take the time to read everything. Yeah, Wait. and then once you get into Central, you just gotta select the language you're learning as Japanese, mm -hmm. and uh, depending on if the bot is working or not, it will send you either an invite link or there'll be like an invite link posted somewhere in that channel where you select your, your language, and that's how you'll get to the Japanese uh, language learning server. Awesome. And for the rest of the podcast, Brandon and Brett are going to speak in Japanese to help you all with immersion. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I would not want to do that to them. <laughs> uh, you, you two are going to be yeah. much better off than myself. <laughs> that, that's actually another thing that I recommend is uh, try your best not to immerse in non-native speakers so you don't accidentally uh, build bad habits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I actually I, I do have a friend that... Um, I used to do a lot of um, studying with him, like once a week, and mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, COVID. We haven't really had the too many opportunities to get together as we used to. Um, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we start chatting again. Um, and he's he's got a lot more studying under his belt than I do. He's far mm -hmm. more immersed. Uh, I'll actually have someone that I'll be able to talk back and forth with a little bit more. So that that'll be fun. But I definitely don't feel confident enough to be able to just uh, yeah. uh, chat um, still just live in front of however yeah. many people will rewatch this or re-listen to this podcast. I was, I was totally joking. I did not. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I know. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. I know you were. Um, I mean, I'm always interested to speak Japanese with people. Um, but also, like, my Japanese is lacking, too. Like, uh, a lot of my videos where I'm speaking, I mean... I can still speak fluently. Like I yeah. could still speak without if anybody who is not native probably would have a harder time understanding that my Japanese is lacking than somebody right. who is good at Japanese, even really good at Japanese, you know, cuz uh like what Brett was saying, I like with speaking around what you want to say, if I don't remember how to say something, I can describe it to the point that it sounds supernatural and it doesn't sound like I didn't forget the word for chair. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, so I was sitting down on this on this like so wooden you're really stool good the at, other day. You're really good <laughs> yeah, at yeah, exactly. bullshitting uh, your yeah. Japanese, is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then like every now and then, like I'll throw in some like really big words, you know, uh, or like I guess it wouldn't be really big words in Japanese, but really complex words and complex ideas that I still know to make it known. Like, hey, I do know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of forgetting a little bit. Like yeah. one time, somebody asked me, um, they're like, "Oh, speak some Japanese." 
And like, there's somebody that actually spoke a little bit of Japanese. And I was like, well, what do you want me to say? And they're like, well, talk about what you do for work. So I'm going to say what I said in Japanese, like something similar. Um, so I worked for a Japanese company as a Japanese manufacturing company. And we dealt with a lot of like aerospace stuff. Mm-hmm. So I said all of that in Japanese. And what that sounds like is, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. We make a lot of products for aerospace. And like mm-hmm. the word aerospace, which is like the aerospace industry. It's a yeah. really big word that you would not... I bet most people that are listening to this would have no idea what that means at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say stuff like that, and they're like, wow, your Japanese is so good. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And then, like, they could just say something <laughs> that's, like, very basic, and all of a sudden, alarm bells are going off in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, how did I forget that word? What does murasaki mean? I know what that yeah, word yeah, means. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what murasaki means. I, I, what is it? What is it? And, like, I'm responding to questions, and, like, they're like, wait, what did you say? Yeah. Like, oh, wait, murasaki means purple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, it happened. Yeah. I also <laughs> but it's always not, it's uh, easy to trick your way, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I always always I always uh try and well, one, here's here's the thing about uh refold is that I I can I can have a conversation. I avoid them because like I said, I'm uh actually maybe I didn't say this, but I'm basically in a silent period where I'm trying to let my bad habits melt away through lots and lots of input. And I still notice that there are things that I know how to say properly that I don't say properly because I still have those bad instincts. But I notice those melting away as I don't speak longer and focus on input and building up that instinct. So I'm kind of on this like output hiatus. The other thing is, though, is that I'm in I'm in stage 2C. I know so much about the method because one, I've I've taught other things similarly because the tenets of kind of like learning through acquisition are somewhat the same through almost everything so like the method just kind of like made sense to me because it's how i've learned how to do everything i'm good at and it like as soon as i heard about the method i was just like wow you idiot why didn't you think to learn languages the way that you learn everything else that you're decent at you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so and then the other reason that like i know a lot about the method and and stuff like that is because i answer people's i answer hundreds of people's questions every single day and anytime i don't know the answer to something i'll have like a long discussion with matt the creator uh about it is matt versus japan matt versus japan yeah i curious to make sure that I'm giving good advice and stuff like that to kind of get his input on it. And so I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I feel like a good coach in the method, but I'm not at my my goal yet. So like whenever anybody asks me to like speak, it's like, I'm not the person that you should listen to. Go listen to Matt. Mm-hmm. His Japanese is unbelievably good. He will be the person that you should look to for proof that this method works. Not me quite yet, you know? Input <laughs> method like- is essentially how Dogen uh, has practiced his Japanese, right? I believe Dogen, he's mentioned it a few times. Yeah, Dogen, I believe, did a lot of... Uh, I think he did AJAT, which is what Refold kind of came from. Refold is kind of like AJAT 2.0. It's taking a lot of the, like, the roughness of AJAT, all Japanese, all the time, which is kind of like the first Japanese immersion method that came from the input hypothesis. And it's like refining it. And Refold actually has a lot of really cool ideas that I think are going to take the roughness of AJAT and refine it into something that will take a much less time. Maybe not much less time, but definitely less time. Like, for example, Refold is the first place that I've heard ever talk about the idea of domains. So, like, there's domains in language. Like, the language you use in newspaper 
or the news or manga or anime or movies is completely different than natural conversation. And even then, it's different between Tokyo and, you know, uh, Kansai. And even then, it's different between old people and young people. So it's so you try and like focus in on specific domains because the more you get exposed to similar vocabulary and similar sentence structures and similar ideas, the quicker you're going to acquire them. And as you fully acquire, not just learn and kind of have it in your mind, but the sooner you or the more you fully acquire elements, the easier new things are to learn because you have other things to attach it to. And as you kind of get used to one domain, you reach that point where your comprehension is good enough that you start learning how to mimic it. Because like I said, once, you're, um, once your comprehension gets to like, you know, 98%, you can pretty much guess what the, all the stuff you don't mean is from context. So this is where you this is the point that you want to get to as quickly as possible because this is where you really start benefiting mm. from your immersion. This is where you really start building instincts and really start learning new things without even adding them to your flashcards because you can guess what they mean from context. And this is like the powerhouse area you want to get to as soon as possible. And domains are a cool way to do that because you can kind of do that in separate kind of like chunks of the language. You can kind of chunk it off and get quicker results by focusing in on domains, you know. So in the chat, I actually have one more person that would like to ask a question, and then mm -hmm. I think we should wrap it up after that, because uh, sure. we're already at uh, an hour 25. So yeah. um, Hog, um, I'm going to go ahead and send you an invite to speak, and you can jump on and ask any questions you'd like. I apologize ahead of time for rambling. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> it's okay. Hello, hello hey, Hog. Man. How you doing? Hello, hello. All right. So... Um, before I ask any questions, I'm just going to give like a quick little summary if I don't mind, if you guys don't mind. That's cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. Sure. So, uh, I joined this server when it was originally a West's about a year ago. I was interested from watching all his TikToks about how to learn Japanese and stuff like that. Um, I was asking questions about, oh yeah, this year ago, my fault, my fault. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was going through for like a few months, got everything in. I got past ROTK happily. I got tango down kind of i cheated mm -hmm. a bit but i got my way through and then eventually when it reached to around may like six months ish in mm -hmm. i took a long hiatus until now but that was due to burnout i was not really feeling it at the time i came back i'm enjoying it now because i'm learning to or i'm kind of finally accepting the idea of ambiguity or like nice that kind of approach to it so yeah. i'm just watching something i enjoy now and i had two questions really quick the first one would be, should I be worried about how I use my immersion time for like overall enjoying the thing compared to actually learning or like not actually learning, but like mm -hmm. my example is, um, so I'm watching JoJo's right now. And so I can't really, you know, accept everything as it is. I'm not going sub by sub because it's going to be really hard to just like get everything in because I'm not. Mm hmm fully there right and so right. how should i be adjusting my time to just let it free flow compared to just going uh sub by sub um so it sounds like you're probably in about stage 2a um so i would say in 2a you want to start introducing a little bit of what we call intensive immersion with the free flow so what i recommend doing is actually finding two shows one that you want to go sub by sub and look up everything you don't know now Going sub by sub, looking up everything you don't know does not mean that you're going to understand everything. You still need to accept ambiguity. You still need to understand that you're probably not going to understand a lot because in Japanese, you can understand every single word in a sentence and still have no idea what they're saying just because of how different the language is. So that's going to happen. 
So have one show that you're doing that with for about 30 minutes a day and then have the rest of it be free flow. And what I recommend you do with free flow, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but generally for free flow, what you want to do is you don't want to do more than like maybe one lookup a minute every minute or two and ideally you want those lookups to be as high quality as possible so if you hear a word and it's like oh man that sounds really familiar because one of the downsides of um, flashcards is is that the brain is very context dependent so you'll learn words in the flashcards that you get right every single time in the flashcards but then when you hear them in the real world you won't be able to remember them so that's what you want to do you want to take these primed words that you learned in Anki and now start showing your brain hey we don't need to remember this only in the flashcard system. We need to remember this all the time. And this may take one exposure. This may take a hundred exposures. It's different for everybody and every word. Mm -hmm. But Got so it. you want to take those primed words and stop and be like, I understood that. What was that? What was it? Think on it for a second. Let your brain struggle. Once you give it about five, 10 seconds, look it up. Don't look it up right away. You want your brain to struggle. Struggling is important, in my opinion. Because you might actually uh, catch it if you struggle. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay, okay. Another thing you can do also before looking it up is look at the subtitles and see if that triggers the word. That can almost act like a dictionary lookup sometimes. A lot of times I'll watch with like the subs on. I'll ignore the subs. And then when I hear a word that triggers, I'll just glance down at the subs and I don't even have to stop. I can just look at the subs and be like, oh, that's that word. Okay, cool. I just didn't put it together because it's going by at full speed. Uh, so that's kind of what you want to do with your active immersion. Um, the way that I like to describe it is pretend that immersion is your job, okay? You're going to get better at your job over time. You want to be watching. Now, if you can't do this all the time because we're we're all human. Sometimes you just got to sit back and enjoy the show and get, you know, maybe, you know, half the benefit, but still benefit. But when you're like really focused and in the zone, you want to treat it like a job. And at any moment... If your job is to summarize this scene, how much of it can you summarize? You know, you might be able to just say, oh, I heard the word, you know, kill. I heard the word tempura. I heard the word. Maybe that's, you know, how you can summarize it. Okay, you'll get three bucks for that. Or maybe you can summarize it like, oh, this one character, I think he wants to borrow a bicycle maybe, but, you know, he's kind of like, and then, okay, well, you get 10 bucks for that. The better you summarize with more detail, and then maybe like once you're really good, you'll be like, oh, yeah, so she's kind of, you know, worried about the fact that he cheated on her, and she's feeling really, really frustrated about that, but she doesn't want to let him know, so she's kind of like poking at him with like these really sub, at that, you'll get like $1,000 because you're like putting in all this nuance. So you want to basically just focus and focus and focus as if this is your job. And the more that you describe it, the better that you describe it, the more you're going to get paid. That's basically how you want to be immersing. Because okay. the more that you can understand of your immersion, the more you're going to get from it. So you don't want to just like sit back and let the words flow over your ears. You do want to try and listen as if you have to explain this to somebody. If that makes sense. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay. You know, one thing I would probably add to is like when you're, and this is something that I would say to anybody that's learning immersion or anybody that's just trying to learn at all and they're mm -hmm. watching anime anime specifically in japan uses a really different type of japanese language that you won't ever encounter in real life like the way they say certain words and like certain words that they use you might not ever see it in real life if you and and the, the way the subtitles work a lot of the times depending on the anime it might be just like a contextual translation instead of like a literal translation of what they're saying. So mm -hmm. if you come across a word and you're like, oh, I think I know what that word means. But then when you look at the subtitles, it doesn't match at all. You might be right. So I probably would just look it up to make sure that the word you think you know might be correct. Because oftentimes I've seen subtitles that don't actually match 
what the person's saying. But that depends on the show and depends on what you're watching. So um, I don't I think with Japanese, with Korean and with Chinese, I've seen it happen the most where Mm -hmm. like translations of the subtitles just don't come across perfectly. So I probably wouldn't rely entirely on the subtitles for translation. So I would definitely just keep that in mind. I, I forget sometimes that, uh, sorry, uh, in the, I, I should clarify, when I say subtitles, I'm saying Japanese subtitles. I, I never yeah, recommend yeah. using English subs. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a second, when I thought you meant like English subtitles, like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I'm sorry. Just be careful. When oh, I meant good. I glance down at the subtitles sometimes, I mean, just to see the kanji so that it sparks to my mind what uh, vocabulary it is, because sometimes that doesn't quite trigger from only the, the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I mean, what I said doesn't doesn't count unless you're listening to or watching it with English subtitles and yeah. listening to the Japanese, which I probably wouldn't really recommend if you're trying to learn Japanese, because like I said, it's the translations are really weird. Yeah. Plus, if you're focusing on reading the translations, it's hard to focus as intensely as you need to to make that money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying trying to summarize the summarize it. <laughs> All right. And then. It kind of already solves itself, but I, my second question I'm going to ask anyway, and it's, so I've made a new deck since I've like, I've taken like this long break. I don't really want to use my old deck anymore since like, it's kind of got a lot of do cards that I don't really want to go through anymore. And so I still have the old deck there just in case if I ever want to pick out any, but on my new deck, I have the kind of problem to where since I'm watching something that's like way or like at least a level above my comprehension level. I kind of have problems with the time management that I use to actually get cards. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching like, let's say like an hour or two of JoJo's, you know, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can take some, but it's like, it's not going to be as useful as others. I find some key ones, but at the end of the day, I'm not finding as much as I want. And so what should I do about that? Just like, if it was only one show, but since I'm getting a second show to get specific subs, is there like yeah. a good way to like grab some extra cards or like some way to just snag some without kind of leaning too far into like making it too hard yeah there there are some ways but they're not ways that i really recommend because i feel like like there's things like morph man that you can kind of do but i really don't recommend going down that path because i don't feel like it's the time saver that a lot of people think because then sentence mining becomes only sentence mining instead of sentence mining as a byproduct of immersion what i would say is Try your best, as long as you can enjoy it, try your best to find some type of like easy slice of life show to do as your intensive immersion and have most of your card creation be during your intensive immersion. Uh, You may not be able to get like all 10, 15 cards that you need for the day in that 30 minutes, but you'll get a lot more than, you know, per minute or per hour than you will uh, during free flow in the beginning until your comprehension is much higher. Yeah, Um, so I would say that's that probably would help. and then, you know, continue to keep an ear out during your free flow. Also, if you come across something that isn't primed, but you're like, hey, I understood that whole sentence, except for like that one element, stop and make sure that you're right. You know, uh, the the whole sure. rule on don't stop too often um, can be broken sometimes if you feel like, oh, I that sentence seemed really important and I almost got it, you know, but just yeah. try not to break it too often because then you kind of interrupt the the subconscious kind of like acquisition process a little bit too much, but you can definitely break it sometimes if you are in the um refold discord server i have this video i made uh talking about immersion it kind of talks about why we recommend immersing from day one instead of getting a foundation first uh and it also talk like literally walks through i try my best to explain like my mindset and what i'm thinking 
during immersion. So that might be something that you might want to check out just to kind of see my probably poor attempt at explaining what's going on <laughs> in my head during immersion. Oh, okay, for sure. I'll definitely check that out. Cool. That sounds really good. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Hog. I appreciate your questions, man. Yep. Thank you for having me so much. Thanks. Thank, thank, thank. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, good luck, absolutely. man. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. And we are currently at our limit for this podcast. Thank you guys <laughs> so much for staying through the whole thing. It's been a long one today. Um, and thank you, Josh, for staying as well. I know uh, you got a little one that is asking for your attention probably on and off. <laughs> No, he's been asleep this whole time. I just keep muting myself because I was uh, inhaling this drink and I didn't want it to be loud. <laughs> uh, like at the very bottom and like all the ice. I'm just like, you know, I don't want everybody to hear <laughs> the whole time. Just everyone would just assume you're eating ramen anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. But um, yeah, thank you everyone so much for coming. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Brett. And thank you, everyone in the audience as well, and everyone who asked questions. Um, I uh, would like to try and start doing this on a weekly basis if possible. It just really does vary on mine and Josh's schedule. And we are going to try and keep it to a weekend base. Um, and more than likely after 8 p.m., around 8 p.m. is when we can start streaming. Because um, cool. I did pick up a new job that's in noon to 8, and it could really be any day of the week, so... Um, well, hey, congrats on that, though. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, so thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, if you have any more uh, comments, questions, or even stories that you would like to submit to us, uh, the email that you can reach us if you don't want to send me a direct message is just TravelJapanPodcast at gmail.com. I know it's a mouthful, but honestly, it's just straight to the point. Just TravelJapanPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, once again, just uh, thank you, Death Wish Coffee, for sponsoring this episode. And yeah, um, I hope everyone has a great rest of their evening, and we'll see you uh, on the next one. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Let's go. Bye bye. Let's go.